Think of that, friends. Amazing grace that covers us and covers us and covers us and covers us. Wonderful. Well, friends, we're going to be looking at um, six different passages tonight, just so you know that ahead of time. So if you count them, you will know about where we are in the message. But uh, the first one's going to be right at the very beginning, so Genesis 2. So if you want to turn to that one and have that kind of ready, uh, we won't get to it for a little while, but um, that'll be the first one, and then we'll go from there. Beloved in Christ, I took a walk the other day in the Highlands, part of the Blandford Nature Center, for the express purpose of looking at trees. One in particular is a huge, huge birch tree that everyone goes to see and take selfies with. And now, I'm not an amateur arborist, as my college friend Mac calls himself. And incidentally, it was Mac's parents who were the ones who prayed for me at college that day. Mac's parents. So, um, An arborist is someone who is a specialist in the care and maintenance of trees. Some call them tree surgeons. Now, Mac's not a professional like that at all. He's an amateur arborist by his own admission. He loves trees, though, and everything about them. He can identify them and classify them, spotify them, and wax eloquently about them and their many unique characteristics. Mac loves trees. And I can see why. Trees are incredible. Deciduous trees, those that lose their leaves, In winter, they bear themselves, and that's how they get ready for spring. But they're alive deep inside, and as winter shakes itself off with early spring, you begin to see little tiny buds appear as if out of nowhere. These will become fruit and leaves and whatever else, and all you have to do is wait doesn't take long for the beautiful spring greening of the trees to happen. We're still in spring, even though it's really getting hot this week, but we're still in spring for another uh, 10 days or so, or not even 10 days, five, six days. Trees have meaning, too. Some of their meaning is found in what memories you have of those trees. I have memories of trees from my growing up days in Elmhurst, Illinois, we had a couple of dozen pine trees in our front yard and just as many little trails underneath them where we rode our bikes and created little homemade ramps and jumps for ourselves. And we had a couple of black willow trees, not weeping willow, but black willow trees, one that looked as if it had fallen years earlier and couldn't get up. So it just grew like a staircase, horizontal, then just a little vertical, then horizontal again. What a tree to climb for a little boy. You could run right up it. Wonderful, meaningful memories of that tree for me. And today, some of the meaning of my yard's trees include the Chanticleer ornamental pear tree in my backyard, which we all gave as a Mother's Day gift to Allison about 12 years ago. Beautiful meanings of love associated with that tree. It was also the tree that because I picked it up and planted it myself, and it was far too much tree for my back to handle, it contains the fond, meaningful memory of me of being the the tree that finally set the course of my life 
life toward having back surgery. It was the tree that broke the pastor's back, so to speak. Now, don't get me wrong. I was heading to that destination anyway. The pear tree just hurried it along a bit. There's also the beautiful maple on our front parkway that turns a brilliant orange in the fall and is quite alive, whereas all the other maples on the parkway of our street turn bright yellow, not bright orange, bright yellow, and they are all dying off. Who knew? We had the good tree when we moved in so many years ago. Then there are the two new maples in our backyard that we planted about three or four years ago when the wild cherry trees just got way too big and messy and dangerous, and we had to call a guy to cut them down. That was so much fun to watch. And now we love watching these new ones grow. They are a year apart in age, you can tell by looking at the trunk, but they are about the same height. And the local deer took a liking to them this past winter. Oh, and the deer love our coniferous arborvitae, also, but the trick they pulled on the maples was to rub the velvet layer of their antlers off and damage our new trees to do it, as if to say to the trees, welcome to the neighborhood. And I say to the deer, why do you do this when you have a whole nature center just down the road to engage in that sort of delinquent behavior? Can you tell I like trees better than deer. There's also Bob's tree, Bob Host, our next door neighbor who passed away a year after we moved into our house and Lois became a widow. Her kids bought her that tree shortly after he died, a crimson king maple whose deep burgundy leaves majestically shade a good portion of Lois's house now. We have a tree like that too. It's a small, very small magnolia tree, a memorial gift from their close friend to my daughter and son-in-law when their first little daughter died. As they were in a rental house at the time, this small magnolia tree was planted in our yard, and each year it gets a little bit bigger, and we look forward to the beautiful pink blossoms on Eloise's tree. Trees carry memories and strong meaning for us human beings. They also do that in the Word of God. What a fascinating role that trees play that are planted in the Bible in telling us what we need as human beings. The trees tell a story. They tell the story. The trees in God's word offer profound meaning in each of our lives. And I'd like to show you our needs and God's fulfillment of those needs as we open up the word in various tree places today and visit the trees planted there. We'll first meet a tree in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, page 3. You've probably gone there. Here's what we see there, chapter 2, verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jumping to verse 16, 
And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. And we know how the story goes, of course. Adam and Eve eat from the forbidden tree. They fall into sin, and clearly they never had gotten around to eating from the tree of life. For in chapter 3, verse 22, we hear these words, 3.22, The Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden. Now, have you ever imagined what Adam and Eve must have been thinking as God said those words when the realization struck that the tree of life had now become off limits too? I sometimes imagine them edging over to the tree of life, trying to sneak a quick bite from its fruit, and of course, God preventing that. However you imagine it, the realization hits us that one of the needs we have is to live, to live long, to live even forever. It's a fundamental need. It's a fundamental want. And the problem is this tree of life is out of reach. Our sin has blocked our way to it. The tree of life identifies our need for eternal life. Well, we next visit trees in some books of prophecy, two of them, Isaiah and Ezekiel. In Isaiah 41, verse 17, that's page 1032 in the Bibles in the pew racks, page 1032, Isaiah 41, verse 17 the word of the Lord says there this, at 41, verse 17, page 1032. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. What's well, a passage, as you might guess, about Israel in exile, away from home. They're in agony, they're poor, they're needy, they're thirsting, they're hungering for righteousness, for spiritual health, hungering for home. They need refreshment. They can't get it. They're in the desert of captivity where their own sins have brought them. They see what sin and the effects of evil have done to them. They're a broken people. Their spiritual health is at an all-time low. So what do they need? They need healing. They need their God to bring them home and heal them. They need to gather in the temple of their God and receive his healing touch. So now listen to several passages in succession from that same passage, Isaiah 41. Right after the word draws our attention to this people in need of healing, the Lord says this middle of verse 17, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the deserts into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together 
It's a picture of the healing of a desert as it explodes into a fertile place, explodes with life, with trees. And now listen to Ezekiel 47, verse 12. That's page 1258. Page 1258, Ezekiel 47, verse 12. And in that passage, we see a picture of the temple and the river of water that streams forth from under it. And at verse 12 of Ezekiel 47, here's what we read, the word of the Lord. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. There is the healing the people need, beloved. And look what comes with the healing. We're going to jump right back to Isaiah chapter 55 this time, page 1056. Page 1056, Isaiah 55, verse 12. And you'll recognize these words because we sang them earlier. Isaiah 55, verse 12. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. The trees growing up where the desert thorns and briars had been. Symbolic of the healing that has taken place for Israel. And how is it described? You will go out in joy. With joy, the need for healing has been met, and there is joy. Well, the next place we visit, as we did in the first part, the very beginning of the Bible, now we go to the very end of the Bible, Revelation 22, last chapter of the Bible, page 1771, last chapter, first verse there. 22, verse 1, Revelation 17, 71. See if you can identify the need here. You will see the first two needs we already mentioned in this picture, the need for eternal life and the need for healing. But you'll also see one more. Listen to these verses. Verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The need we see here is for a place, a place in which to live where God also lives. It's a picture of heaven, of course, and God is there. 
and we are there. And it is our future, our future residence. We have a need for that place to live there with God, to see God there. We have that need for an eternal home, a place. We're going to visit one more tree in a moment. I'm sure you know what tree it is. Of course you do. But first, we say something about these needs and their fulfillment. What about that? Eternal life. First diagnosed as something we need in Genesis 2. It's fulfilled here in Revelation. In this picture of heaven where we will experience eternal life, we will have that need satisfied. And an eternal home as our place to live forever. It too is fulfilled here. It's a picture of our home. Eternal life in an eternal home. We look forward to them. We experience the hope of them now. The sure hope of them now. And yet we say the best, of course, is yet to come. Our needs will be fulfilled at the end, we say. But what about that second need we talked about? That need for healing. Is that just something to be hopeful about? Is that something that we have to wait for too? That we have the assurance that, well, it's going to happen someday, healing, when Jesus comes again. He'll bring us true spiritual healing, but for now we still live life in the desert. No trees, just, just thorns and briars. We still live parched for that healing. Is that what it's like? And the answer is no. Think about it. Israel experienced that healing coming out of their captivity already. They didn't have to wait for heaven to come someday. God healed them as he brought them home. Will ultimate healing come in glory? Of course it will. But true healing already comes now. It really does. It's not just something to be hopeful about. It's a reality today. Know why? Because of the last tree, right? which is the last word on the effects of sin and evil. What we have done to ourselves, this last tree is the last word on that, and this last tree began our true healing. In 1 Peter chapter 2, that's the next place, page 1729, page 1729, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, we read these words. Listen to them. He, that is Christ, Christ himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross, on the tree, that is, as the previous version of the NIV says it, and many other translations Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been healed by the one who bore our sins on the tree. You have been healed. A most fundamental need to have spiritual healing, to have spiritual health, to have God's forgiveness is met on that tree. Christ is the giver of healing for our lives. 
because of sin and its effects, because of evil and its consequences, the sins of each one of us, the sins of others, there is no health in any one of us except God says, by his wounds, you have been healed. That's what that tree, that cross was planted in the ground for, to bring us spiritual healing. So, who needs to be healed tonight? We all do. All of us. What kind of healing is that tree, that cross for? What's it for? Is it for something I too am afflicted with? What is the healing for? You tell me the answer. You tell me. Is it healing for a person caught in a sin that has totally ruined their lives, that has brought devastation to their family? Yes. Is it healing for a person whose guilt weighs down on them like dead weight so that the only way they can function is to bury the guilt deeper inside or run away from it instead of facing up to it? Yes. Is it healing for relationships that have been severed, for vows that have been broken, for bitterness that has grown like a cancer, for reconciliation that can't seem to happen? Yes. Say it with me, congregation. Yes. Is it healing for envy, for jealousy that devours our every waking moment, for feuds that have escalated among longtime friends but now longer-time enemies? Say it with me. Yes. Is it healing for angry, careless, searing words spoken that we find ever more creative ways to justify our saying them? Is it healing for those same words bitterly received along with the injuries they inflict? Say it with me. Yes. Is it healing for having gone too far sexually before marriage and in so doing having jeopardized a solid relationship? Say it with me. Yes. Is it healing for turning our back on our Savior time and again, for neglecting our relationship with him? Say it with me, yes. Is it healing for the one who hates himself or is filled with anger inside and so abuses his family? Is it healing for women who have aborted babies and can't live with themselves because of the grief and the guilt? Say it with me, yes. Is it healing for unfaithfulness, for adultery, for lying, for the shame and the guilt of dragging the children through the chaos of the family battleground? Say it with me. Yes. Is it healing for the greed that overpowers us, for the lust that turns our heads? Say it with me. Yes. Is it healing for the shame and the guilt and the consequences of every single sin that enters our lives, every evil act, thought, word we commit? Is there healing forgiveness there at that tree for me and for you and all of us? Say it with me. Yes. Beloved, listen. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on that tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, on that tree, our filthiest, most repugnant spiritual infections are deep cleaned and rooted out. Beloved, they are now healed, forgiven at the tree, at the cross, at the Calvary tree. That need 
has been met by Jesus Christ. It's time then, God says, to die to sin, to kill it off, for you are forgiven. You don't have to wallow in sin anymore. Yes, even you, even I, am forgiven. It never gets so bad that God won't forgive us. He is risen, after all, with healing in his wings, healing forgiveness at the tree. And he says, go and sin no more. You're forgiven and you're healed to truly live for Jesus Christ, for his righteousness. Go and sin no more. You're healed at the tree. Now live like it. Live like a person miraculously healed, wondrously forgiven, this is your and my story. The story, the trees tell us the story God tells us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful people because of what you have done at the tree, at Calvary's tree. It has meant forgiveness for us. It has meant spiritual healing for us. It has meant fresh starts for us. It has meant that all the sin we look back on, all the sin hanging over our head even now and the guilt, all the relationships ruined, all the horrible things that our sin has caused in our own lives and the lives of others. It is all healed at the tree by what Jesus has done there. Thank you for that. Thank you for eternal life, for an eternal place to live with you, and for the true spiritual healing and forgiveness we have at the tree. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.